You're listening to Shit Adults Never Taught Us, the podcast where we talk shit in a good way. Welcome this week. We have Julia and Jackie from the Weighted Blanket Happy Hour podcast. Their podcast is all about anxiety, depression, ADHD in the funniest way possible. These two have such a lighthearted way of getting around really tough subjects that a lot of adults deal with. And we have a great conversation about the pandemic, the aftermath of the pandemic, and how things are just getting a little different in our new world. As they say, this year has just been about cutting through the bullshit and getting to the realness of what being an adult in today's age means. So here we are with Jackie and Julia of the Weighted Blanket Happy Hour Podcast. All right, let's welcome Julia and Jackie of the Weighted Blanket Podcast, Weighted Blanket Happy Hour Podcast. That's right. Woo! All right. Can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves individually and then how the podcast came to be? Yeah. Jackie, why don't you... No, Jackie. (laughs) We both voluntold each other there. That was... It was just like, and you go for it. Nope. Okay. We both like tried to be polite and failed. Um, yeah. And we both like live, we both live in the Midwest. So we're like, no, after you, no, after you. No, I insist. Well, I insist more. More specifically, we were both raised by Midwesterners because my dad is from South Dakota and boy, does he act like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Jackie, on that note, why don't you go ahead? Yes, yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm Jackie. Hello. I am one half of Weighted Blanket Happy Hour. I am an actor singer, comedian, Jackie of all trades, and I'm so excited to be here. Julia, who are you? (laughs) My name is Julia. I am a former actor turned casting director turned marketing manager and the other half of Weighted Blanket Happy Hour. And yeah, I have anxiety, depression, probably undiagnosed ADHD, all of the fun things that we talk about on our podcast. Yes, yeah, it's just, you know. So you guys, mm. I came on your podcast probably like four months ago or something. It seems like so long ago, yeah. but yeah. it was one of the greatest experiences I've had with a podcast because it was huh? so vulnerable, so open. <laughs> so just like, we are who we are. We have these rocky roads that got us here, but we're still figuring ourselves out and anxiety and depression are just who we are. They are not our identity. And I want to talk a little bit about how the podcast came to be, but also how you individually realized that anxiety and depression were part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the birth of the podcast happened in the middle of the pandemic when, uh, you know, Jackie and I have been friends for quite some time now, thanks to the Chicago theater community. And I, I, did I call or text you, Jackie? You called me. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. Because I, I was in the grocery store, just like, I think, I think probably I had taken a half of an edible and I was in the grocery store because that's what I do. That's what I did in the pandemic because what else is there to do? And you, <laughs> and you called me and I was in the snack aisle trying to decide between dark chocolates. And you were like, would you want to be on a podcast? And I'm like, what's your idea? And <laughs> And then we had multiple meetings and Ju- Julia basically just like the, the, um, the, the elevator pitch was, I want to do a podcast about mental health, but I don't want it to be like a drag and depressing. <laughs> and I was like, I like this idea. So then we, it sort of spiraled from there. And now we talk about mental health, but like in a cathartic kind of like, oh boy, we have to deal with this. Isn't that fun kind of space. Mm-hmm. 
but in a way that isn't alone like it doesn't make anybody feel like they're going through something by themselves because you guys make it fun yeah, yeah. The, the idea that, well, yeah, the reason why it's called a happy hour, it's like, what if you had a happy hour after therapy? Like just a fun, casual get together with other patients your therapist is seeing. And you all just, you know, at the end of the day, had a laugh about it because your only other option is crying. And sometimes we do cry, but we, we, we like to, you know, look into these things that, that just keep life interesting for us, yeah. if you will. You have, af- you have after work happy hours and like therapy is work. So like have an after therapy happy hour. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, everything's so fresh at that point. It's like when you're getting off work and you go to happy hour and you're just ready to vent about your day, mm-hmm. it's the same concept. And that's what I love about it is you guys are so open. Thank you. Have you had a favorite episode? You don't have to say who. You could just say why. Yeah, besides yours, Natasha. <laughs> obviously. Um, obviously. That 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 one that one did really I think you were one of our first um interviews too. Yeah, you and were. it was so much fun. Um I my favorite has to be with Dr. Robert Murphy, um, who is the epidemiologist, doctor, professor at Northwestern. He has a a regular segment on uh WGN News here in Chicago answering questions about COVID and the vaccine. And he was just a fountain of knowledge and tying it all back to people's anxiety about the pandemic and also getting vaccinated. And it just was such a rewarding experience to get him on the mic, just, you know, totally just blowing away all of these conspiracy theories oh, and boy. giving very, very kind advice on, on what to do next. Oh yeah. He was so fabulous. We just put the microphone in front of him and we were like, Hey, tell us about stuff. And we just let him talk. Like the content just happened. It was so fabulous. What do you think the lasting effects of this pandemic are going to be in terms of anxiety and depression? Oh gosh. <laughs> I think it probably, it probably got worse for some people, but then also like, here's, here's an uncanny thing that happened to me that maybe some other people can relate to because we had all that gosh dang time last year. Like I was provided bandwidth to reflect on my own mental health in ways that I previously just like straight up didn't. And that actually for me provided a useful tool in terms of like my own personal journey of managing my own brain and like neurodiversity issues. Uh, so it, it helped and hurt, I'm sure. I know that's an extremely vague answer, but I think it was probably, it's probably different for different people. I think so. I think it illuminated for me something that I hadn't even noticed. I've been in therapy for several years, at least, probably more like six or seven. And I figured out during the pandemic that it's stuff that never came up in therapy, but that like I was furloughed for four or five months from work and I didn't realize how much of my personal identity I was putting on my job and what I did for a living. And then beyond that, I didn't realize how good I had gotten at ignoring everything that was going on in my brain and just distracting myself with stuff. I thought like, oh, if I was seeing friends and running errands and going out to dinners or whatever it is, that I was good. And what I figured out is really, I was just distracting myself. And when you can't distract yourself, you're confronted with who you are and what's going on with you. And that was a very big wake up call for me during the pandemic. Mm. Yeah. It it really put a lot into perspective because I did a similar thing where I was just overworked, 
burnt out and I just kept going because I felt obligated to. And then when there was nothing to do during the shutdown and it was so quiet and I realized how much of that I had been missing and how much I needed it. And now I am so much more, it's not even being selective. It's just being honest with myself. Do I actually want to reach out to this person who isn't getting back to me? Do I actually want to continue going to see storefront theater or do I need a break? Um, it really has just made it clear how, like what is actually important to me at the end of the day. But yeah, no, the journey there was not easy. So true. Because honestly, in the pandemic, before the pandemic, I didn't know slowing down was an option. Mm, I yeah. just sort of thought yeah. like, everyone around me was burning themselves out and running in circles and going crazy that I just thought that's what we did. And then the pandemic happened and some people really thrived in the slowdown and some people lost a little bit of themselves in it and went into a spiral. And I sort of fluctuated between both of them same, but now same. <laughs> but now I'm yeah. like I don't know what of this I can actually hold on to I know what I want to hold on to I want to hold on to the stillness the quietness the the honest uh reflection of time and what I'm feeling and I don't know how much of that is feasibly going to get brought into the next chapter what do you guys think yeah. I'm working very hard to keep it up. Like I just paid a full membership to Headspace. I am looking at my calendar and making sure I am blocking off days and evenings that I can have my me time because this version of myself is the calmest, most peaceful version I've ever been. I am experiencing happiness and joy. And I actually have the tools to go up against my anxiety and possible ADHD. And, you know, when I just don't want that to go away, I went through a lot of pain in that growth mm. and I, I need to honor, honor where I've been. And by doing that, I have to take care of myself in ways I was not before all of this. Part of that was getting a new job, you know, recognizing that being glued to my inbox nine, nine out of 24 hours a day just wasn't healthy. Yeah. It wasn't. And so many other people just accept that as life. Like you're just always going to hate your job. You're just always going to resent going into work. You're always going to have the, the Sunday scaries and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. And I, but I did not believe that. I did not believe that before the pandemic. Before we keep moving forward, I want to go back to a couple of things you just said. One of which you mentioned a toolbox you have now to mm -hmm. help with your anxiety and your ADHD, what is included in that toolbox for you? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> depends on the day. Depends on the week. Uh, I, I know that like physically I need to work out, walk. I, I need to have my body moving. I need to have those endorphins. Um, I need to be taking supplements, vitamin D, magnesium. Uh, there's this really great one. I always mess up the word. It's ashwagandha. Ashwagandha. Mm, um, ashwagandha. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's been great too. Um, I started taking an antidepressant Zoloft. Um, and then like spiritually, mentally, um, doing a lot of like breath work, you know, just, just focusing on just making sure that I am <laughs> taking actual present breaths during the day and a lot of thought work too, which just involves, you know, detaching our thoughts and feelings from who we are as people. We're all so, 
like we all believe that like we are just a mashup of all of these thoughts and feelings running running rampant in our bodies but it's actually not true we can remove ourselves from those interactions and get over it get above it work with it whatever so i've been doing a lot of that work too during the pandemic that's a lot of work that's it's, yeah it's yeah. a lot that goes into that process i've done it as well and this question is for both of you what do you think was the biggest turning point during that process of healing of getting to a place where you're like i can recognize what my body needs and respect boundaries that my mental health has set i have an answer to this so <laughs> i know you do i know you do i was like please please talk you've got a great one i have an answer to this so like i oh gosh i i've been on a med journey I, at, at, in, in the quiet, I alluded to, you know, in the, in the time that the pandemic gave, you know, the, those of us who were lucky enough to be able to have jobs during, during like, thank you, thank you, thank you, universe. Um, the, during the pandemic, I, I like kept examining my own mental health and I was like, cool, now I have all this time. Now I have all this energy. I'm going to be able to like get my like motivation in order and like do all of this because I have all this time. Like I'm going to be able to like get all my shit together. And I just couldn't, I tried every freaking cognitive behavioral therapy technique. I like, I'm very aware of my ADHD. I know what the problem is. I know what the mechanisms of it are. And it's like, you know, that whole thing about like, Oh, well, you know, self-awareness is like half the battle. And I'm like, okay, well I'm failing on the other half. They had us in the first half, but now I'm dying. Like, <laughs> and and I just, I kept, I, I, I kept fighting and fighting. And eventually I was like, I'm fucking done. I want to live normally. So I decided to go on medication, tried a few different ones. None of them were working. I just, I felt, I went through this long period of just feeling so horrendous about myself because I'm just like, I'm trying so hard. Why am I this pathetic that I can't get it together? And then I got diagnosed with depression. <laughs> How much of the depression do you think was because of your helplessness of trying medications and trying so hard? Well, it was the opposite. It was, it was literally the opposite. I had depression for literal years and didn't know about it because my conceptualization of depression is you can't get out of bed. You lose your job. Your room is a mess. You can't like make food. You're like eating handfuls of cheese at three in the morning. Like that's what depression was to me. And I was like, well, I'm not that I'm still like going to work and like, you know, getting some obligations done. So like, clearly I'm not depressed. Clearly I'm just a loser piece of shit. No. <laughs> so I actually, I went to get diagnosed for ADHD so that I could go on ADHD, um, medication and the <laughs> i love i love telling the story i've told her on way to blake at happy hour i was sitting there you know on a telehealth conference with the psychologist and she was like yeah you definitely have adhd and i'm like yeah thanks i've been done new and then she was like you also have major depression i was like no i don't <laughs> and then she was like here are the symptoms you described to me and i was like yeah and she's like she very gently was like so that qualifies as major depression so getting, knowing that I had those two working in tandem for so long, understanding that like, that's why I'm tired all the time. That's why I get stuck in my chair, like, you know, not able to get up and start anything. That's why I feel so bad about myself all the freaking time. And subsequently getting on an antidepressant, specifically the one that they give to depressed ADHD patients. Like I have been having a much easier time the last three months. And like, you know, crap isn't perfect. 
you know, like, I mean, life is still life. I'm still, you know, working on stuff, but it's just like, I'm like, oh, the, the turning point was the second that the chemicals in my brain balanced out. I was like, oh, that shit wasn't my fault. So I'm now a big advocate for try cognitive behavioral therapy first. And then if it just fucking doesn't work, try meds if you can, if you have the access to them. Cause I, there, there has been a life change and I'm like, oh, I've been waiting for so long to get my shit together and it's happening and it's great. So that's there's where I such, am. <laughs> there's such a key nugget to that though. And it's something that I had to deal with as well, which is, you know, you better than anyone else. You yeah. know you the best. So I was going through autoimmune disorder mysteries and I was trying to figure out what was wrong. And doctors have an ego. There was a confidence that doctors had. They would come at me and they'd be like, oh my God, I figured it out. It's this, here's a medication, goodbye. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I would try this medication and it wouldn't work. And when I would talk to the doctor, a lot of the time I just got just stay on it a little longer. Oh, let's up the dose. Oh, maybe it's just uh, needs a while to like kick in or have you made any dietary changes or anything like that? It was sort of, um, it was like never a consideration. Let's switch the medication. You Mm. have to advocate for yourself. And it sounds like that's something that you did. Mm. You were like, I've tried a bunch of things. I know they're not working. I'm going to advocate for myself and I'm going to go through this telehealth version of it and try and you listened to the person you were like, you know what? Like you didn't think you had depression, but this person was like, you know, I, I don't know you. I only know the things you're telling me and what you just told me matches this list of symptoms for depression. Everybody should know that there is something out there that will eventually work. But sometimes we have this mentality that a pill, you take a pill and suddenly you're instantly better. And sometimes it's not the right pill. Sometimes it's not the right dosage. Sometimes it does take a little bit to kick in. Sometimes it's that pill plus another pill, Mm. you know, or sometimes it's no pill at all. And it really is just a lifestyle change or ashwagandha or some sort of supplement, whatever it may be. It's figuring out what's right for you and taking the time and figuring that out that can, it can be really frustrating, but it does eventually click. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's different for everyone, but you, the, the thing, the thing you started with talking about advocating for yourself, the, the horrible, the horrible irony is that you have to be able to advocate yourself before you can improve the thing, the thing that kind of operates you advocating for yourself, which in, in our case is like the mental health. Like it's, it's, it's so funny because only out of desperation did I, did, was I able to be like, no, this is what is happening. This is, this is not fixing it. We need to try something else. And it's like, it's just, it's, it's difficult, but yeah, the, the whole advocate for yourself thing is just so important. Um, before we move on to the standard questions, I want to ask one specifically for both of you as weighted blanket happy hour hosts. Is there anything throughout your journey that you just wish you had figured out a little bit sooner? That I had depression. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that I had anxiety as a high school, like I am just, you know, for fun slash torture, I am rereading my high school journals and just like, like, I'm just like, nope, that's depression. Nope. That's anxiety. Nope. That's anxiety. Like why? And just being fed the wrong advice. Like it was all well-intentioned from my parents, from my, my friends, from teachers. But the moral of the story was, mm, girl, you should probably be in therapy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Same. But honestly, they don't teach us what depression and anxiety looks like outside of those little videos we yeah. watch maybe once or twice in health class. And if you don't look exactly like the kid in the video, you don't think you have it. And when you're a kid, everybody just says it's hormones, it's puberty, you're going through life. This is the crunchy part of life. And it doesn't have to be. And it's also the time when you're learning so much about yourself that maybe learning what anxiety and depression looks like would be a helpful part of that. Oh, yeah. All right. There's some shit adults never taught us questions that I would love to ask both of you. Are you ready? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm prepared. What is one life lesson that you have had to learn over and over again? Oh. Stop judging yourself so harshly. (laughs) That's a great one. That's good. It's a huge one. It's a thing I struggle with to this day. I have such a perfectionism uh, like the tendency. And it's ridiculous because of course I am ridiculously imperfect. And I know this logically about myself, but like every, every, everything I produce, every like art I try to do, every note I sing, if it's not perfect, it bothers me. And I'm like, you have to let that go because it's standing in the way of you getting anything done. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone around me deserves a break except me. Yeah. Oh, that's a huge That thing. I think is a female thing too. I have yet to meet a guy that's like, let me take on the burdens of everyone around me. Oh my <laughs> dude. It is so true. We're just, we're, we're conditioned to nurture and to like put others first. And it's just like, hi, I have to inhabit this body and this brain for my entire life. I need to take care of me. And I was just listening to mm-hmm. a podcast where Glennon Doyle, who I absolutely love, was talking about, she was saying like, she, what she got the lesson from her mother is, and the, her grandmother and the mother she saw around her was you have to sacrifice yourself for your children. And <sighs> she figured out that, no, I have to be myself for my children. Because if I look at like this marriage, this life, this job, whatever it is, and I say, well, I'm just doing it for my kids. I'm just in this bad marriage for my kids. She started thinking, would I want this marriage for my kids? Would I want this job for my kids? And when you start thinking of that, putting yourself in the shoes of others, you're like, would I want this for them? No, like all the people I'm taking care of, whether you have children or not, the people you're taking care of in your life, if you're like, would I want this for them? No, then you don't want it for you. Good old Glennon. She's always got the answer, you guys. She's always just got it. Okay, what is one piece of advice you wish you had at 18? Stop caring so much about what other people think about you. Because most likely, it doesn't, like, it doesn't exist. Like, we just put our own insecurities and assume that other people are thinking it, that other poli- people believe it too, and then... I. You have no idea what other people are thinking about you unless they tell you. And even if they have a bad opinion about you, it doesn't matter. (laughs) She, she says with the groan of, oh God, there's so much history behind these words. Do you know a specific moment in your life where that clicked for you? Probably when I turned 30, honestly, uh, which was a year and a half ago. I, I just felt so much pressure and anxiety about being the perfect casting director, being the perfect actor, looking a certain way, being a certain way, being received a certain way. And I just realized that I got to where I was not because, you know, I was catering to other people's needs, but because other people cared about me. 
And I learned to value like true friendship, like true people who had their best interests for me instead of people who I didn't have any kind of relationship with. And I just thought to myself, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop making myself feel like shit and assuming that other people are thinking these horrible things about me. It's not real. Yeah. One of the biggest, one of the, um, my mother left me with a lot of good life lessons, but like from middle school onward, what she would, she would say the same line to me. And it was always like, don't worry about what other people are thinking of you. Cause chances are they're worrying about themselves. Don't worry about what they're thinking. Cause they're probably not exactly. They're not they're too busy worrying about themselves. So everybody is as busy worrying about themselves, like as you are. So like, just don't even think about it. And they're worrying what you're thinking about them. Exactly. <laughs> Oh man, that's a that's a good one. Okay. Uh wait, before we move on, Jackie, did you have a piece of advice that you wish you had? Oh no, time? I was agreeing with Julia. It's probably the same. Okay. I just wish I knew I had all the mental shit that I had at age 18. That was my big thing. I'm just like, why didn't anybody tell me I had ADHD? <laughs> Like how different your life could be. Extremely different. I would have been able to manage my entire college life would have been way different. I would have saved so much cell phone data on not texting and calling boys for validation. Oof, mm. oof, 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 oof. So much data saved. <laughs> Physically and in my brain. <laughs> or just cutting people off sooner, boys or otherwise. Oh my God. Cutting off just people in general sooner. Just not engaging, not just, in, just not even engaging. Yeah. yeah. I gave a lot of energy to people who didn't deserve it. Amen. And now I don't mm. have a lot of energy for people who do. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, sorry, yeah. I gave it all to other people. Um, <laughs> what is one thing about this time in your life that you're living at this moment right now that you want to hold on to for the rest of your life? Not putting up with bullshit and not doing shit out of obligatory, like, bullshit feelings. Like, it's, this is, this is a byproduct, I think, of A, the pandemic, and B, like, the age that I'm reaching. Because it's like, because, you know, Julia's a few years older than me, and she keeps telling me, like, yeah, as soon as you turn 30, you stop giving a fucking shit. And, like, that's, I'm, I'm approaching there. Because, like, byproduct of the pandemic is that everybody's just cutting the bullshit. And it's like, the, we're, we are collectively, at least like in my age group, in my like, you know, middle class life, like it, everyone's like, I'm not doing shit because I feel obligated to anymore. I'm not hanging out with people that I don't fucking like anymore. And I'm like, that, that's good. I want to, I am always, I am someone who wants to be upfront anyway, because I barely have a filter and my, my little filter, I like wove myself and it doesn't do a very good job. So like, I just want to, I want to cut through the bullshit. I, I want to stop wasting time. So that's, that's what I want to keep from this, this moment of my life. Love that. Yes. Yes. My, my response to that is yes. And I, I want to keep putting myself first. Amen. Yeah. Because when you, as you get older, you realize you are the only person that's going to stick around forever. Mm -hmm. Like you're mm -hmm. the person that you started with. You're the person that you end with and you can put all your energy into what other people think of you and what other people want from you. But none of that matters at the end of the day because it's what you think of yourself and what you need from yourself. So yeah. mm -hmm. anything beyond that is a bonus. Amen. Mm -hmm. The next question is, what's the best piece of financial or career advice you've ever gotten? You don't have to answer both. Just pick one, financial or career. Mine my, my applies to both. Always ask for more. Always, always save more. Always like, like pay attention more. 
Um, and then career wise, like, like learn how to negotiate for a better salary for a better role. I mean, especially during this, um, this job marketing boom that we're having right now, like it's just, just stop settling and just ask for more. Mm-hmm. Um, because even if your current job turns you down, then that is the sign that you can stop sticking around and look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I have a very actor answer, uh, which is just put yourself out there. <laughs> Like, I feel like it's so, it's so difficult to like take the initiative to, you know, to ask for that, you know, next raise or to the, or to, you know, take the step to figure out like, Hey, how do I manage a fucking IRA account? Like, how do I ask? Like just learning to ask for things and learning to show up and say, hello, I'm here and I'm valuable is extremely hard to master, but it's important. One of my most recent experiences is that my last job, I, I put together a whole PowerPoint on why I deserved more money, why I deserved um, a title change from coordinator to manager. They came back with neither of those things. They gave me a little bit of a raise and they promoted me to a lead. And then like two weeks later, I was like, never mind. I'm getting more money and a better title from a different company. Goodbye. Power move. But also you gave them the opportunity. You weren't shy about it. And this is what I write about in the book is it's okay to walk away. You told your current employer, this is what I want. And this is what I'm expecting. Come meet me up here. And they couldn't. So then there's no shock or guilt if you walk away to the thing that you wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. It it, it was just so baller. I'm still like, I, it was like, that was one of my, my biggest like feminist struggles was giving my two weeks to my boss because it was a whole like, Oh, he just did this nice thing for me. And like, Oh, like he's such a great guy to work for. It's like, no, this is just business. This is just business. I asked for X, Y, and Z and they couldn't give it. And this company is giving me X, Y, and Z and also a B and C. Like they're giving me the whole alphabet. Yeah. I see you Well, it, giving your two weeks is hard regardless. Cause like I was ecstatic to leave my job and I was still racked with guilt and nerves before I gave my two weeks. It's always hard because it's like ending a relationship. You know, all the reasons that you have to leave but the second you're about to do it. You're like, Oh, but there were good times and maybe there's more good times down the road. Mm-hmm. And you just have to respect yourself and know that there are better opportunities out there for you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Will you tell everybody where to find the podcast, where to find you, everything? So we are Weighted Blanket Happy Hour on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find us on, uh, you can find the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, because it is back up there now. Go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes if you like it. We have like 16 episodes now, more when this is released. You can also uh, send us a message or a fun question at weightedblankethappyhour at gmail.com. And uh, we have a Patreon that is about getting up and running. So uh, way to blank a happy hour on Patreon. Excellent. Thank you both so much for being here. Yay. Thank you for having us. This was fun. That's all for today's episode. Check back in next week to talk a little more shit with me. In the meantime, be sure to grab your copy of Shit Adults Never Taught Us on Amazon and Barnes & Noble to learn all the shit adults never taught us. And in case no one told you this week, You're killing it. So keep going, you genuine badass.